I watched the first half, uh, and then I was just, you know what? I was. It wasn't even so much that I was disgusted from a fan standpoint. I was literally sitting there like analyzing it from like how is this gonna work standpoint, and I was just like, they ain't got nobody that can score consistently except LeBron and AD. All right, welcome everybody to Love the Game. It's the Love the Game podcast where we talk hoops, NFL, and any sports trending topics or whatever the hell we want to talk about. Find us across what uh, social media at Love the Game, Love the Game Pod definitely have that in the captions and you can listen to this podcast pretty much everywhere you get your podcast uh i'm ash your host also known as at planet asha across social media with my co-host elias elias what's up what's going on what's going on we are back again you know where to find my socials at real ignorant e on twitter instagram at hall the pharaoh Let's get it going, man. Here. Oh, let's get it going. Uh, yeah. So a lot to talk about. We skipped last week. We missed last week. That was on me from family obligations. But we're back. And you know, we're gonna get started like we usually do, which means we have our MVPs and runners up for the week. And it looks like we both just have an MVP this week. So why don't you start us off? E uh, who's your MVP? For this last week my mvp for this week is the, the chicago sky who just racked in a WNBA championship the first of the franchise something i can them ladies at the chicago side balling hooping getting the damn thing done and you know uh it's just really amazing for uh, candace parker to bring that chip uh chip to that side of town oh my internet connection is a little unstable, but it's all good. Um, yeah, you know, it's just great to, for them to be able to do that for the city. And uh, it's really, really ha- proud and happy for these girls. And keep doing the damn thing. Candace Parker cemented in the GOAT conversation. And, you know, it's great to see. I don't even know if that all got through. And what's it, Am I coming through now? Am now I coming through are, now? Yeah, most of it. We got the gist. Chicago Sky. Yeah, yeah. All WNBA right. champs. Uh, surprising that it was their their first year, and to do it, I think it's like a six seed too is even more impressive. Um, so I think they like yep. pretty much were on the road, you know, the whole way through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Candace Parker, CP, cemented in the goat conversation. We just dis- we discussed her and her uh, sort of legacy and legendariness, like from high school All American, you know, to playing at Tennessee to I think she's got that dope ass Adidas commercial uh, where you where they revealed that they're talking about Candace Parker at the end. And it's like uh, number one overall pick, rookie of the year, MVP in the same year, you know, uh, champion with Los Angeles Sparks. And now, you know, she pulled one of those Kawhi moves, go from a championship team, essentially go to a new team. And in the first year, you bring home a ring and to do it in her hometown, that's pretty dope. So, I mean, I don't know what's left for her in her career. I mean, I think she also has got like um, USA championship as well with like the, the women's national team. So, I mean, she's literally done it all except just to keep hooping, you know, cause she's, she's still got a lot in her. So I like that. Shouts out to uh, Chicago Sky you know, team sport, but also Candace Parker. Uh, my MVP for the week is none other than uh, Chris Taylor, CT3. Is that his name, CT3? I don't know, I'll just, I'd be saying that. Uh, they almost called him C- CT4 in that Dodgers game because he was like one homer away. He hit three home runs and a single in the Dodgers uh, elimination game, win against the Braves. They end up, you know, going on to win. 11 and 2, but pretty much he's been the MVP for the Dodgers of this series, pretty much of this whole postseason run so far. So if they're able to pull off this comeback like they did last year, they got a game tonight, game six, another, you know, do or die situation. Uh, if they can pull off another win and, and somehow come back and win this thing, 
Chris Taylor is definitely going to be uh, the MVP of, of the National League Championship Series. But, I mean, three homers in a must-win game or you're going home, I mean, it doesn't get no better than that. So, MVP, Dodgers, baby, let's go. Game night, Chris Taylor, let's do it. Hopefully our bats are alive now after scoring 11 runs. But I now we're going to get into oh, yeah, real, real, real quick. Go I got a runner up. Evan Fournier from the New York Knicks. Ah, Evan I don't know if you watched that Knicks game the other night. That yeah. The overtime. And man, I feel like he is on a redemption tour. He 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 made a statement. It's his old team. And he oh, down, yeah. you know, I, I like that. He balled out in an overtime game. Didn't let get to him. And you know, everybody was giving him some shit. He did what he did. But you know, can't. Came out, balled out, got his team through OT, and got the Knicks dub. I'm pretty sure the Knicks are two and zero right now. They are two and zero. That yeah. first game, yeah, that that double OT against Boston, and then to your point, um, he balled out against Orlando, his old team, and uh, that was pretty much like a blowout win. They it wasn't close from like start to finish. That's a good runner up, and that's perfect because. You know, NBA is back. The season is here. No more pre, no more summer league. No more preseason. We're back. It's uh, honestly, NBA <laughs> we got. It's honestly gotten off to uh, a great start, and that's pretty much what we're gonna talk about uh, mostly for this episode. Because I mean, look, that's that's the main shit right now. NBA is back. There's a lot on the plate, a lot to talk about, and uh, let's start with some. I mean, I don't know if you call them early surprises, maybe. But I got some early surprises on here. If something that you want to mention, you know, comes to mind, throw it out there. Let's go. But first thing I kind of want to bring up is this Miami team. Now, like going into the season, you know, Miami, Miami is already good. You got Jimmy Butler, you got Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo. So already they're a good team. They were in the final two years ago in the bubble. Eric Spolster, great coach, uh, great culture, atmosphere. They're a championship franchise right and then they um make offseason moves they got kyle lowry pj tucker so i expect them to be in the conversation i expect them to be in contention don't necessarily make them the favorites right because you still have the bucks and the nets even though the nets are dealing with their drama but you still have the bucks and speaking of the bucks miami blows them out 137 and 95 in their season opener and so it's making me think i mean I know they're going to be a good team, uh, certainly a contending team in the East, but are they going to be better than we expect? So, like, are they going to be a powerhouse right now? Now, granted, it's one game, but they didn't do that to Orlando. They didn't do that to, you know, some lower-ranked team in the East. They did that to the defending champions and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, 40-plus point win, that's crazy. So... I wouldn't say maybe people are sleeping on Miami, but do you think their potential is even higher than we all assumed coming into the season? Well, you know, I, we have to also kind of think of how that game went. The Bucks were playing without three of their potential stars and a lot of valuable core role players. So for that game, it, it was definitely a little more difficult Giannis was low scoring in the game. He only had like 15 points and like eight rebounds, something like that. So it wasn't the best outing for the Bucs, especially when low on personnel. And we've seen them really go to town when they've gotten everybody hands on deck balling out. As for the Miami side, uh, well, Miami did load up during the offseason. They made some eight offseason moves, the GM. I don't know GM is Miami right now. Pat Riley or whoever it is that made some fantastic trades, some big um, draft moves, and got their team with the ball basically running again. I will say, though, that the East, while right now, the East is also facing a lot of injuries and a lot of misplacement. So the teams that we don't usually winning are going to be winning right now are going to be pull up some amazing feats. And since the season just started, it's off to a slow start. You know, everybody's just trying to get the hang of basketball again. So we'll see how the weeks progress for Miami. We'll see how everything goes as the coming next coming matchup. Um, I potentially they could be a sleeper team in the East. Potentially, 
I wouldn't get our hopes up just yet, just because it's the season just starting. And there's a lot to be worked on for every team in the NBA right now. So yeah. on the Miami side, it's good for them to see them winning and get back to a winning and how their sort of new big three or their potential five way better than before. So we'll as the weeks come up and we'll see how they progress. Big sleeper team in the East though. I don't necessarily think the playoff push, but we'll also see as time rolls on. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, and valid points. Look, we're we're two games two games in, right? So nothing, you can never really overreact to anything. But it's like you already knew coming in that they were going to be way better. And so even with injuries, to your point, it's just this is still an NBA game, NBA players. So anytime you have a point scores, you know, difference like that, something's way off. I mean, are they that much better than the Bucks when fully healthy? No, not not at all. But it's just impressive, like home opener, basically making a statement. It's like, I don't care who's on the other side or not. You know, we're here, we're back, and we're going to have to be a team to be dealt with. And I think that's kind of ultimately what it was. Like, we'll see going on into the season. As you know, we're, we're just getting started, like you said. So, again, nothing is definitive. But, I mean, that definitely was like, a, oh, yeah, let's not forget about the Miami Heat. Like, they're reloaded. And the Bucks, the Nets, who's ever the Philadelphia 76ers, who's ever in it at the end, like they're gonna have to deal with that team, I think, one way or the other. They're not gonna get, you know, just run over. They're gonna have to be eliminated and pushed out. And like, put me out. That's gonna be the Miami Heat this season. Uh so we're moving on to another team in the East and a team in the West, too, you know. NBA historical franchises, technically the two best franchises in the league in terms of the history of the league. When we talk about championships and legacy, Celtics and Lakers, both teams starting 0-2. We can get into my Lakers. We can get into the Celtics and maybe, you know, their issues kind of like the last couple seasons. Uh, Yeah, they got Tatum. Yeah, they got Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. But last couple of seasons, they, I feel like they haven't really been able to figure it out and get over that hump. I think they've like underperformed uh, with the talent that they have had. And I guess my question to you is these two franchises, one East, one West, 0-2 starts still early. So nothing is set in stone. You know, if these both these teams are 0-5, 0-4, then that's cause for major concern. But which team do you see kind of getting out of this rut and which which one of these legendary teams do you see kind of just not having it all together? And you can be honest. It's okay. It won't, it won't hurt my well, well, right now on the East side for the Celtics, I feel like they're just having a rough start and their stars aren't necessarily in the mode yet of season. We saw Jason that Celtics game. He just he came out and had terrible shooting was abysmal. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder also disappeared, like he always does, you know. And we, uh, meanwhile, that just left Jalen Brown to fight against the Wolves by himself, you know. And meanwhile, he's put on some performances. Oh yeah, I feel like it's a little skid for those for the Celtics side because they have a lot of good players. They got Williams, got um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, Grant Williams. They got Al Horford. Um, they got Al Horford back. Al Horford. Yeah, Al Horford, the old war horse on the side. Yeah, you know? solid. Um, they've got some. They've got some necessary pieces for their team that makes a successful season out of this year. And I feel like for them, it's a skid, but it's not something that will really put them in an impasse. They can definitely get over the hump if they just get warmed up necessarily. And if we see more of Jason Tatum start to go to work, you know, wake up, it's the season. And the rest of the, I feel like when Jason Tatum falls in line, the rest of the pieces will slowly just be put together. Now on the west side for the Los Angeles Lakers. SMH, man. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of there's a couple of factors that go into this team right here, and it's it's gonna take some in depth and analysis from myself, if you will. So, from just watching the games alone, first of all, first of all, I have a couple of things to say about this team right here. LeBron is awake. 
it's very clear. LeBron oh, yeah. is awake. He is here to play for his 19th season. He's the guy's awake. He's, he's been balling out. That's LeBron James, the best player basketball has potentially ever seen in the league. He is awake. He is here. He is ready. There's no question. Even with the uh, sort of um, effort from last night's game, he is definitely here to stay. And Davis, that is, to me, the heart and soul of the Lakers. That is Anthony Davis, the heart and soul of the Lakers. It's been an interesting start for him. He had the amazing first game and then last night, kind of a rough outing, even though he still had double digits. Um, pretty sure he had over 20 points. Yeah. But the I don't... I, I don't like seeing him on I'll say this Anthony I've been saying this for like the last two Lakers games too Anthony Davis somebody some trainer needs to go out there and give Anthony Davis uh, a mechanics lesson as in body mechanics teaching this man how to necessarily move your feet and not just with the ball I'm talking without the ball falling this man I've seen this man fall on his ass Yo, for at least 20 so to 30 plays much. and and meanwhile, you know, it's it's okay. It's the game of basketball. You're not going to be on your feet all the time. But you are one of the most injury-prone people on your team as of right now. And not only that, you are the one of the most valuable people on your team right now. If you go down, the ship fucking sinks. And it will sink hard. It no will sink to the bottom of the depths of the Atlantic. Yeah, it will Pacific. sink hard as hell and you might as well kiss lebron's year 19 goodbye you might as well kiss all that championship shit goodbye for this year if it goes down like that and also the lakers are very plagued with other injuries right now wayne ellington kendrick nunn trevor ariza and um taylor horn tucker as well and without these pieces all the other players have to step up and account for all that misplaying time and all these other people going in now the the Lakers, I won't necessarily say that this is bad right now for them to start 0-2 because they are a championship team, and it doesn't matter how bad they start. They will be there in the playoffs to, to see whoever it is to see. And I've also been seeing some very productive play out of a lot of other players on the team. Russell Westbrook, you got to get it the fuck together, man. you got to get your shit together. you got to wake the fuck up. Last night, he had a better game than the first game. It was better. I will give you that. Yeah. It was better than what we saw in his first outing. But what we need to see from Russ is that aggressiveness, that average of triple-double for them the last couple seasons. It's And it's going to be tough for him because he's playing a role that he doesn't know how to play now, where there are more guards on the court or more facilitators on the court than just him, yeah. which should potentially allow him to become a better scorer in the, the fact but now you're playing against LeBron James, you're playing with Carmelo Anthony, you're playing with Anthony Davis, and all these other stars from around the league. And it's something that he's going to have to integrate himself in, which is really, I feel like it's a really difficult situation for him. People think it should be easy, but it's not when you're integrating from different teams and going all around the league like that. So for the Lakers, and they also have a lot of very nice young players that they have too. Um, there's that, uh, shit. There's that white boy from the Lakers that they Austin just Reeves. picked up in last night. Yeah, Austin Reeves. He was he was, he's been impressing me. He's really been impressing me. He's I honestly I I didn't hear shit about him. And then when they picked him up, I was like, hmm, this is an interesting pickup. And then last night, while the chips were down, he sort of pushed the Lakers into a run that made the game a little less terrible and made them only lose by fucking 15 points. And so that could be very high potential for him as well. They also picked up some old pieces, you know, Avery Bradley. You know, he's going to be important on the defensive side, on the on-ball side. But as for the Lakers right now, I will say that it's going to be a problem if we start to see these same errors made four or five games in. Because then it's like, oh, you know, then what are you doing? The team's going to start recognizing what your weakness is. You're going to start watching film more. They're realizing your offense more and your defensive mistakes and if for a team like to play like the Suns, you're gonna need all hands on deck. And they're gonna be teams like that all around the West this year and the East. They are waiting for you to come back. You are the previous yeah. defending champions. They are waiting for you to come back. So for the Lakers, I just feel like it's a minor skid, but if things, if it hits, it's on pins and needles, if anything tips over, if anything 
fucks up, it, it can be yeah. potentially lead to catastrophe, if I will. Yeah, well, look, I mean, coming into the season, I mean, you could say this for almost any team, the situations have to be perfect, which is never going to happen. It's like, if everyone stays healthy, if, you know, we play to our potential, if, you know, they knock down open shots, whatever. Like, that's the if factor is there for every team. But for the Lakers, I think, they are one of the teams in the league who have sort of like the highest ceiling and the high the 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 lowest floor at the same time right because if anthony davis stays healthy if russell westbrook learns how to play with rondo with lebron other facilitators and other stars if he stops shooting jump shots and just uses his, his aggression and drive to the basket you know if 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 kent baysmore malik monk keep knocking down open shots if they get healthy because like you said they're missing four guys trevor reza he's another old you know sort of like war horse too but he's three and d like he's three and d and like think about the age that doesn't bother me because with that comes uh you're more wise experience you know the game you know how to manipulate the game right you've been in big moments so the the age thing itself doesn't bother me it's all the ifs, like all of their ifs have to come together. Now with the injuries, it's like, I'm not gonna uh, sort of panic too much because those are some significant injuries to those guys on the bench. Those are all dudes who can put the ball in the basket and score. And that in the last couple of games is what I have seen to be the biggest problem besides spacing and, and things like that. And it's just like, we've gone through these droughts where if LeBron's not on the floor, we can't score the ball. Dudes are just missing shots. But then you bring in a Taylor Horton Tucker, you bring in uh, a Kendrick Nunn, you bring in a Trevor Ariza. These are all shot makers and playmakers, you know, with the exception of Ariza, but he's still a three maker. So with that being said, that's a lot to ask when you're missing that much production on the bench. But for what we have right now, I put this basically on Frank Vogel. I put it on Frank Vogel because you need to put your players in the the best situation, put them in a situation to succeed. And right now, I don't think he has it figured out. Russell Westbrook, it needs to be Russell Westbrook. He needs to be aggressive. I don't care if he misses jump shots, but just don't take a bunch of them. Like if the team's gonna leave you open, shoot the damn ball. But you don't need to be shooting unnecessary pull-up jump shots, three-point shots, and they're just freaking bricks. But as soon as you drive to the basket, you either get a bucket or you get a foul. Like someone just needs to tell him drive only. Like driving kit, that's your only job. Like if, if he can do that, they're in a way better place. I would rather Rondo take those open threes because he's been hitting them consistently over the last couple seasons. From the year we won the championship uh, to last season to, to now, like when he steps on the floor, he can facilitate and he can, because they're going to dare him to shoot, but he's knocking them down. Russell Westbrook, that's not happening. But to your point, if AD goes down or LeBron, God forbid, it's over. Because even when they come back, when other guys come back, I feel like we'll fall so far to the floor that it won't fucking matter. So we kind of have the highest ceiling to be like a favorite in the West when everyone is healthy and when Frank Vogel figures out how to coach, then we have one of the highest ceilings. But if one of our stars goes down, especially AD, because as you said, he is the heart and soul. He needs to be the best player on the team. And I know it's LeBron, I know it's LeBron, but he needs to be the best player in terms of night in, night out production. And he also needs to be defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. If he is defensive player of the year, but also aggressive offensively and ultimately our best overall player. And LeBron, as you said, who looks great, like his shot, his jump shot, his fadeaways, his step backs, his threes, of course, driving to the basket, LeBron is on point. If those two guys, are their best selves and Frank Vogel figures it out. And then Russell Westbrook just stops shooting jump shots. I think we'll be okay until our guys on the bench get healthy. So that's a, you know, it's not a panic right now, but there are a lot of big question marks and high ceiling if things go well, but also embarrassing, embarrassing floor. <laughs> uh, if, if shit starts to fall apart and, and, you know, I mean, I won't say I'll feel bad or anything, but it's just a lot of just a lot of a lot of questions in the air, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Cause I can, you know, I know you can too. I can go back and forth on the Lakers 
but uh, to be continued, right? We're only two games in. Anyways, with that being said, I'm going to talk about a young player who's, I mean, honestly, as time goes on, as sirens are behind me in my apartment, but as time goes on, I already knew LaMelo Ball was going to come into the league and, and be a star, but what he's doing already, again, only two games in, but only his second season, in my eyes, he's literally like the next best thing. When I think about like new young stars taking over the league, one I think of like Luka Doncic, uh, Trey Young, and now I'm thinking LaMelo Ball. His last two performances, it's not even the fact that he's been able to score, which I think game one, he had like 37 points. I think last night he had um, 18 or 20 something, like, I don't know, something like that. But it's his passing ability, his playmaking ability. It's just must-see TV. You know, what is Stephen A said, like box office, must-see TV. So in my eyes, he's literally the future of the league, one of the futures of the league in terms of overall superstar status. So I wanna get your opinion on LaMelo and sort of like his progression and potential as we go on in this season. Talk about potential and of, of just a fantastic basketball star. LaMelo Ball is showing us how it gets done at just progression, if not success. I will say the kid can fucking ball. He is amazing. He it's literally in his last name. The kid was born to ball and he's fucking balling. And it's great for the Hornets franchise because they haven't seen something like that. in I don't know how fucking long and how many seasons yeah. and <clears throat> You know, LaMelo brings uh, that facilitation and scoring that they really need to help them win games and progress. And his skills, while he started out, it's crazy because from when he came into basketball, period, he started out as a very small guard. But then as that ball DNA started really getting influenced, he fucking grew and he grew to almost his brother's size, maybe even taller. And it really it's really just his progression is insane right now it's just every game he gets better and better even if they don't win he, he gets better and better with just time and it's, it's it's insane to see a very young player like that be very fanatical and just be on the court and just doing some really really nice just fundamental basketball it's not even all flash it's not all crazy plays and dunks it's really just simple the plays that he makes are just simple fundamental basketball like if you see a defender if you see you're running a fast break or a full court press and you have a player that's already down court he's gonna zip that fucking ball all the way down to the guy who's under the fucking basket yeah running the full court like it's not not every nba guard wants to Because they want to wait for their offense to get on the coast to coast bucket, or they want to do some other crazy ass fucking play. That while we like to see that on NBA TV, it's like it's good to it's refreshing, if you will, to see a player actually facilitate like like a Magic or like, yeah, a LeBron, like a classic yeah. point guard that we see in the league. And you know, as if he, I don't even see really any other points in his game that are that weak right now. He's he's a very great shooter he's a great offensive player he can lead the charge he can yeah plays pretty i'll say defensively yeah i'll I'll say maybe defensively he could turn up but even then he's he's still on the defensive side playing some pretty damn good defense so lamello ball i wish nothing but the best for him he's gonna keep progressing and getting better and better he he could he could really put his name he's if not right now because we're we're thinking like Giannis is going to be the future and guys yeah. like that are going to be the future of the league but after Giannis's time and maybe another player after that it's going to be LaMelo's league for sure and he's going to he's going to do some shit to the league that we have never probably seen before I will say that now yeah and I mean it's not look, a hot take either that is a take yeah, that is a take if you don't have that take you're tripping you know you're living under a rock because he's already doing it and like you said we, we first of all and I get, you know, Lakers woes aside, LeBron is still trying to hold on to a little bit of like power in the game. So like, if he wants to do something, you're not going to be able to stop him. And then you got Giannis, you got KD, right? Like they, you know, those two are on the way out. And then Gian- it's basically Giannis's league. 
And then, and then of course, there are other superstars. When I see Luca, I'm like, oh my God, Luca, stop. You know, but LaMelo, second year, already putting on a show. And like you said, it, it's fundamentals, like just basic, smart basketball. But then it's also flash. So even if they lose, you're going to go there and see some just amazing shit and not even the shots like yes he's hitting shots which is great because that was one of the knocks on him coming in oh he can't shoot you know he can pass but he can't shoot no the man can score layups dunks jump shots three-pointers and then his passes the way he zips it it's like he's a quarterback out there he's got zip on the ball i just watched some of his highlights uh in his game against the Cavs uh last night i'm talking about no looks literally quarterback style where he passes the ball not to the player, but to where his teammate is going to be like, you know, an inch or so ahead of him. No look passes it ahead of him. The player, you know, running down the court comes into the catch. You know what I mean? It's just, it's some people just know the game. Like you can tell some people play the game and some people feel the game. And the way LaMelo ball plays when I watch him, I'm like, no, he, he can feel the game and he can he will make the smart play every time um i think passing is his best ability which is saying a lot because the guy can shoot and he can score and defense that is probably his biggest area with 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 most almost most young players if not all young players and most players in general defense you know some guys are defensive guys but the average player defense is what they can work on so yeah he can work on his defense but i think in the last night's game he had five steals so he may not be the best one-on-one defender but he's active he has active hands and he's gonna make defensive plays so i you know sky's the limit for him i definitely think he's next up to your point in the next few years as you know other players kind of start to go to the tail end of their prime it it really will be his league. The NBA right now is in good hands. There are a lot of exciting young players. Players just keep getting better and better at younger ages. Uh, it's great to see. But and Lamelo, he's been groomed for this, like you said. It literally isn't his last name, Ball. And I also think just like Luca, um, which I think is a, a a good sort of like connection to make between them two. They played professional ball at a young age overseas. And I think that translates really well to just in terms of being a young star and to be able to come in the league and make an impact right away. I think that overseas experience against grown men, especially for LaMelo, an American, against grown men at what, what age, 16, 17, like that's paying dividends right now. We're, we're sort of seeing him benefit from that. But uh, yeah, he just decided to watch, man. He's one of those players that you gotta watch you don't want to miss a game, win or lose. All right, now going from LaMelo to another West Coast team, we're going to talk about the Warriors real quick. They're 2-0 early, you know, whether you're 0-2, 2-0, don't want to panic. But watching this Warriors team right now, obviously Steph is Steph, he's going to be Steph. I watched their first two games, and this Warriors team right now is really reminding me of that original Warriors team that beat the Cavs, even though I think they had you know, lost Kyrie and Kevin Love to injury. That that first year they won the championships to sort of start their dynasty. Their whole motto was strength in numbers, right? Like you had Steph, you had Clay, you had Draymond, and you had a bunch of role players and they just moved the ball, led the league in assists, played deep team defense. And when I watch this team, it reminds me of that team. Cause now you basically just have Steph and you have Draymond, but Draymond's Draymond. But then they have all these guys that we barely know their names, right? But they're hitting open jump shots. I think the game against the Lakers, when they beat us, they had like 31 assists in that game. And then they followed it up against your Clippers and had another high assist game. And they were up by 19 at one point, got sloppy. So I will say that's the one thing about this team. They have a lot of turnover, same with Steph. But they're passing the ball around so much and moving it. So it's, you know, not to get too ahead of myself, but 2-0 against two good teams. I mean, from where they were last year to come in to beat the Lakers and then the Clippers. And, I mean, Lakers issues aside, Clippers, you know, no Kawhi aside, you, that's still a good, solid team who made a significant playoff push last year without Kawhi. So to get those two wins with really no stars except Steph, 
that's a little telling. So what do you think their ceiling is? Remember, it's going to take a while, but they will get Clay back. And they have uh, another young rookie, Jonathan Kaminga, who they have to get and integrate. And then they still have James Wiseman, their lottery pick from last year, who's been injured. He couldn't really play last year. But they have two young talents that they still have to integrate, plus Clay. So just with this start so far, only two games, what do you think their ceiling is if they can keep up, you know, moving the ball like this and hitting open shots? Yeah. Uh, well, I said it. I was actually talking about this the other day. And, um, you know, the Warriors, they're going to be a difficult team in the West when they get all their pieces back. You know, they got all those players. And um, the way that um, – the way that some of their young core is playing is phenomenal. It's absolutely insane to see. Jordan Poole will most likely win the MIP most improved player this year because he is, if not Terrence Mann, it's going to be Jordan, Jordan Poole because he is he is literally carrying the Warriors. Whenever Steph is not there, he is there. And he is doing some amazing offensive, just everything on the Warriors. And even when they get clicked, that's going to just be another compliment to the team. What he does for the Warriors on the offensive side is, is you can't you can't locate that on any kind of any kind of scale. So the Warriors right now their ceiling is definitely still still moderately high, just because of I would say how the West is right now and all these other people on these other teams. But right now, from what I saw from their first two games, they've got the ball rolling a little bit. Definitely, uh, they're definitely playing great basketball. Steph, you know, Steph Curry is just going to be Steph Curry every time. That's one of the best, if not the best, guard in the NBA right now, point guard. And, you know, it's just the Warriors, uh, they always have that winning that winning mindset and nothing's going to stop them, injuries or anything like that. You're going to have to take down the whole goddamn ship if you're going to want to stop them. So, you know, and they're just they're getting everything done all the little details that need to be done and are being made right now so the Warriors see big names right that even with all the injuries aside it's definitely good for them to see them and their young core for sure going to work and playing some goddamn good basketball it's really good to see it's really good to watch on TV as well from the fan standpoint so yeah i like the warriors what they're doing right now and i like how like how they're playing it's pretty interesting yeah for sure oh i think that you know if they can limit their turnover it it just like you said it seems like they're jordan Poole for sure he's stepping up so he's gonna be steph's running mate uh at least until clay comes back and it gives clay i mean they they're not gonna rush him back anyway he's coming off back to back devastating injuries they're not going to brush him back but it takes even less pressure uh, just on him to have to come in and do a lot when you know you've got a, like a, a second guy to, next to Steph already you know so Jordan Poole I think is going to take a leap um, literally he will be in contention at least for that most improved he will take a leap and I think with him kind of taking that leap into a new stratosphere that will definitely keep them um certainly certainly in playoff contention you know like i don't think they'll they'll with the way they're playing in only two games i don't think they'll fall out of playoff contention i think they'll at least be kind of in that middle pack maybe like four or five i'm thinking uh and then if you can kind of get clay back and the other pieces back i mean they 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 certainly have a ceiling i don't know exactly what it is because it's so early but it what we saw is an indication of what's to come. All they have to do is take care of the ball, stop turning it over because they're moving it. And so someone's going to be open. And right now those open players are hitting the shots. You know, oh, Bielitsa. Bielitsa was a good pickup for him. He's kind of like a, he's like another Draymond out there, except he can hit shots. And he got Otto Porter hitting um, open shots. So they really do have a squad that if they just take care of the ball and hang on, then they get clay back you know they might be able to make a run against one of the the top teams in the west uh so yeah i mean jury's still out on everybody but they're they're off to a good start uh another team in the west who actually i mean the warriors just played and beat the clippers uh but it was a look they came back from 19 very impressive well coached full chemistry on that team uh paul george what can he i mean 
Paul George being Paul George. He's better when he's a star. Like when he's the guy, he's way better. And it was a close game. They almost came back and won that game. It's just one game. So they lost. Okay, who cares? But I still liked what I saw from him. I liked what I saw from Paul George as a team. They didn't panic. They kept at it. They got after it. They made it a game after, you know, going down early in the first quarter. So let's talk about that team. I know that's your team. I know you probably have some thoughts, feelings about that. No Kawhi. Uh, I don't know when he's going to come back this season, but it wouldn't be before All-Star. It's probably going to be a little bit after that, if that. So what's their ceiling? Again, only one game in. So, you know, loss aside, what do you think they're ceiling in just after, you know, one game of seeing them uh, get out there and get after it? Well, a couple things about my squad. So we also played tonight, we played the Grizzlies tonight. So it should be, um, should be an interesting game to watch. Uh, a couple takeaways from the first game. I was amazed by Eric Bledsoe's play. I didn't expect a lot out of him at all. And be honest, I, I had very low expectations for Eric Bledsoe on the court, especially after being really put in a position where he couldn't do anything for a couple of seasons. But he came out there and just got a running start. He balled the fuck out of him, like 22 points, a bunch of assists. And he was definitely one of the highlights that impressed me for sure. Um, you know, Paul George is going to be Paul George. The more shots he takes and the more he shoots, the eventually it's just going to get better and better as he keeps going and attempting and being more aggressive on the court. So he's going to have to do that every game. I would like to see more hot starts from him just because this is where he needs to prove that he can kind of do that in order to be successful on a team and be a real leader on the team and also just be there defensively, you know, while he's been quoted as one of the best wing players, quote unquote, in the league, I still need to see more staple in that. You know, I don't see him necessarily locking dudes up and I don't see him um, putting as much defensive effort on the court as he can. You know, and I understand it's really difficult to be a two-way player, be on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively. It's really difficult, yeah. especially if you're considered a two-way player. It's really difficult. But we need to see more of that. Um, a lot of our pieces got to play. You know, Marcus Morris had a shitty game. He had a shitty first game. And, you know, while he's also a slow starter, we need to see more of a hot start from him. We need to see more productivity. And not just hitting the clutch shots. We need right. you to hit all the shots. Like... <laughs> It's not, not just the clutch ones. We understand that you got you, you. We pay you for that. We understand that. But now that you can hit the clutch shots, you need to hit all the shots or make more of the plays, less turnovers. Uh, Terrence Mann, great game. Yeah, even though on the offensive side he wasn't more on the production, but defensively when we put him on Steph, that twenty point twenty uh, five point first quarter went away that all that went away <laughs> after we put terrence yeah. man on him and it was it was insane to see i couldn't believe my eyes we made the switch and i was like in my head i was like oh shit terrence man is on steph curry but then after we checked the stats for a while i was like terrence like, man oh, is shit. on steph curry <laughs> oh shit terrence is on steph curry so you know it's it's it's, it's a double-edged sword for terrence man and like i said before if not um if Jordan Poole doesn't get MIP, Terrence Mann is definitely going to be in the conversation for MIP this year. And for other players, we have like Justice Winslow, who yeah. also had a very slow start. I want to see more from him. I need he's to see solid, more though. progression out of him if we're going to be paying him. He's he's solid, even though he's injury prone, but we just we need more production out of him. And I will say on the coaching side, which was fucking terrible. The one terrible takeaway I will say from the game, Ty Lue is running this set that is fucking terrible. He, and this is why Reggie Jackson shot like shit. I will tell you why Reggie Jackson shot like shit. We are playing a lineup where we put Eric Bledsoe and Reggie Jackson in the game at the same time, which forces Reggie Jackson to become a two guard instead of a point guard. Reggie Jackson is not a fucking shooting guard. He is a point <laughs> guard at heart. He does not need to be on the court put in a two-guard situation where guys are already 6'6 and up. There's no – this is a rarity to see a, a, a two-guard at 6'4", 6'3", 6'2". 
why are we putting one of our point guards who is very productive on the point guard side in a situation where now he has to move off the ball, off ball screens, cut to the basket, these things, which is not his game. His game is setting up the offense, shooting, creating a jump shot, if not getting players jump shots, attacking the basket on his own pace. And it's really not good. I understand we're beginning the season. We're trying new things out, but if we're trying new things out, we shouldn't be necessarily mismatching the guards where we where we we just we're gonna hope and pray that shit works out. No, all of these two guards in the league are fucking disgusting. The three and D players, two way players, or just fanatical scores, and that's not gonna get us wins. We need to be throwing offensive sets where we just picked up all these bigs. We picked up a bunch of fucking bigs, Harry Giles and Isaiah Hardenstein, and. We have all these fucking bigs. You should be playing these guys, not fucking throwing Reggie to the wolves. And he's shooting like shit. It's very clear that, you know, while he's shooting like shit, you, this set is not going to work for the rest of the season. So that was the only error I saw out of everything in the Clipper game. Even when we were down 19, the only error I saw was putting Reggie Jackson at the two guard instead of playing him as a starting fucking point guard, which made no sense to me. And it fucked up everything on the offensive side. Eric Bledsoe only got the 22 when he was on the court by himself, creating, driving to the basket, kicking out, doing all the necessary things that he can. So if we're going to continue to succeed, especially when Kawhi comes back, we need to get our sets in order. And that was the only real thing that I had a problem with. You know, everything else is going to come as it goes. You know, it's, it's just a learning curve. And we need, really need to get the shit together. I don't like I that set. Ty do Lue not is run that fucking set, Ty Lue. I, if you can, yeah. I swear to God, do not run I that set. I hope Ty Lue is listening to this coaching yeah. staff. There's, uh, there's your Clippers rant from our uh, Clippers fan, Clippers fan host. There's a rant. I hope the, the coaching staff is paying attention. Uh, so they don't put Reggie Jackson at shooting guard anymore or or else or they're going to be hearing from you on a weekly basis uh no but I, you know I don't watch Clippers games I mean honestly I you know like to hate on the Clippers but in this professional setting I try to you know come from less of a, a fan point of view and objective point of view and I what I was just most impressed by was just getting back in the game because I mean, it's the first game of the season. You're trying to fill stuff out. You're down 19. The only thing bad about going up really big is going up really big early because then sustaining that for a whole game, a whole 48 minutes, is usually nearly impossible. Uh, I mean, sometimes there are wire-to-wire blowouts, but there's usually always a comeback. I mean, basketball is a game of runs. But for a first game and trying to figure out you know some new additions and just where you're going to put your guys in spots like that to to still make that comeback i thought was really impressive and they easily could have won that game right like they easily could have won that game uh once they got in the second quarter like you said putting terrence Mann on steph curry stepping up the defense creating a bunch of turnovers the Warriors turning the ball over like crazy i think you guys will still be good like i mean the west we say every year the west the west the west is so difficult and it is um there are a lot of teams out there, but I, you know, I think it's going to come down once playoff time and the seating is going to come down to like game differences, have game differences, because there are just too many good teams that even without their stars and some of these injuries still have like capable players and pieces that gel together that are going to result in a win. So it's going to be an interesting season, but let's move over to the East real quick. I'm going to, you know, get us through this. I just want to, you know, we talked a little bit about the about the Bucks, so I won't go into sort of um, like Bucks nets, but I want to switch a little bit to the missing stars in the league that are, you know, on the East, and that's essentially, you know, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Now, we know all about the sagas between both, um, but, I mean, what, what say you? You know, like, which team do you think? I think right now, I don't know if Philly's 2-0. I know the Nets are 1-1. But which team do you think really quickly is going to uh, sort of be hurt the most by their missing star? It's For me, it's definitely going to be uh, Brooklyn right now. Um, just because of the expectations the league has for Brooklyn right now and how – the teams that they're going to play are going to come out swinging every game, no matter if they're the 
25th seed or the second seed. Without Kyrie, we're going to see Kevin Durant and James Harden having to put in a lot of effort to get these wins. Uh, Kevin Durant had, what, a 30-40 point triple-double the other night for the win, and the Sixers are 1-1 one and one right now. So I feel like for Brooklyn, it's going to be definitely more of a uh, – more of a standpoint well actually let me switch that up for brooklyn it's going to be not as bad as a standpoint to not have Kyrie right now because you still have james harden you still have katie yeah. you still have a bunch of other players you still got like blake griffin you still got those guys who have experience yeah. doing anything in basketball so it's going to be it's going to be all right for them but in philly now philadelphia ben simmons uh it's going to be tough without Simmons because he's a 6'10 guard. And while he may not have the shooting side down on the game right now, he still poses a threat on the drive and kick the drive, period, you know. So it's, it's definitely more of a higher impact on the Sixers. It's unfortunate because um, – it's unfortunate, really, because like I said before, uh, for Simmons, he's not necessarily ready to play the game of basketball right now. You know, um, right now in terms so. of just being he's here mentally. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I said it. I said it literally out of maybe a couple episodes ago that yeah, right now did. Simmons is. I, it just doesn't look like he's mentally there right now. I didn't. I didn't really fall heavily into the belief that he does doesn't want to be there necessarily. Maybe, you know, he has some thoughts and some there are some people on his ears, you know, trying to tell him some shit, you know, about potentially going to a different team and starting over. But he's a young kid, you know, and it's it's not easy. While it people think it's easy just to make a million dollars just playing the game of basketball. But there's a lot of things that go into this game. And it's not just a physical game. You have to be mentally prepared. All of the greatest players of all time in the history of the NBA have faced some sort of adversity in their lives, be it basketball or not. So while it's a lot to say that he needs to change his the physical aspects of his game and how he needs to shoot the ball and everything. But yeah, but you can't fucking do that if you're not ready to be at the fucking team practice. You're not ready to be with your teammates establishing chemistry getting the opportunity to take those open shots work on your offensive game work on whatever the fuck you need to do if you're not there 100 ready to get the job done for your team you know and there's so much going on there's press there's media there's endorsement yeah. deals there's there's all kinds of shit in your life when you're in the nba so i'm gonna say the same thing that i've been saying again for the last couple weeks while i want i I do talk down on Ben Simmons a little bit, but I do wish that I do hope that he gets mentally right in order to play the game of basketball because he's an athlete just like the rest of us. And, you know, you want to see athletes at the highest level who are getting paid succeed. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to necessarily prey on his downfall. So if Ben Simmons, as I said in the last episodes, if Ben Simmons somehow can find a way to clear his mind and be prepared for what is coming for the rest of the season because Daryl Worley even said that he is not going to fucking trade you he is not going to let you leave it will he said it will it could take up to years years that's just if your GM believes in you that's petty but like that's 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 I mean there's been pettiness on both sides but I think you know I don't doubt that Ben Simmons is not in the right mental state. And like you said, you said it uh, weeks ago, but what I think does help him and actually helps uh, Daryl Morey. um, And I don't know if they've talked about this. I think Ben Simmons coming out and kind of saying I'm not mentally there is the best thing that could have been done for the entire situation. Cause I think what it does is it forces everyone the media the league players other teams gms coaches it forces them to be like wait we've all been like going at this kid and saying he's you know childish shellfish whatever uh making fun of him not shooting and we haven't stopped to think about the mental toll that that takes on people and didn't the m doesn't the nba have like these ads and stuff for like mental health awareness with like kevin love and these players who've like you know gone through struggles and yet 
you know, you're not considering how all of this and just the pressure of being young and the star and having money and all that stuff and living up to your expectations and contracts, all that stuff takes a toll on people. And so I think Ben Simmons coming out and saying that either him or his camp or whatever, it makes people stop and be like, oh shit, yeah, that is, there is a that side too that we've kind of just been overlooking. What I think that does, it puts him back in a, a good light because now that we're taking mental health into consideration and not just you being a brat or whatever, it's like, you know, you gotta take care of yourself, right? You need to be supported. And I think that actually raises his trade stock again because other teams say like, oh, like, you know, he's actually struggling and going through things and we have been uh, misfairly judging him and not assessing him uh, on the fact that he is a young player with all this pressure who was dogged out by his teammates and his coach at the end of a high profile playoff series. And then the saga all throughout the off, off season, like when you take it from that standpoint, I think for other teams, because his trade value has gone down a lot. I think it brings this, this trade value up because he's not, seen as an unprofessional you know selfish kid and instead a young player struggling at a point in his career that's two vastly different ways to look at it and if you look at it as a young player struggling then as a as a another coach or gm you can look at it from the standpoint a new environment better support that we can give him then we can get the best out of him and therefore his trade value goes up which is also valuable to Daryl Morey and the Sixers because now you can get more back from him with him establishing I'm not just being selfish and unprofessional so I'm happy that I'm not saying that he was thinking of it that way in terms of like strategy you know I don't doubt that that's really what he's going through but I think the fact that he has kind of come out and said that or his camp has made that statement it ultimately helps I think him get what he want and they'll do more to move the needle to get him traded coming at it from a mental standpoint versus I'm just being unprofessional, right? So, uh, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I know that saga is not over, but I do think it, it's important that people just like hold off, like stop jumping on him, take a step back and look at it from the standpoint of, you know, people handle things differently. People have different support systems around them. You can't judge everybody by the same mark. And if someone says, hey, I'm struggling with something, you have to take that seriously and give them the right support. So hopefully this is the start of him at least getting that support. And then maybe that leads to uh, healthier conversations with you know, the Sixers organization. And ultimately they can come to an agreement that is in you know, Ben Simmons' best interest and also the team's best interest. Um, but yeah, with that being said, we're going to switch over and for the sake of time, uh, we'll, we'll come back next week with like, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, way too early predictions. Uh, but I want to give you a second. Also, you know, week seven predictions in the NFL, week seven will happen. We'll discuss NFL season more as, um, we get to the mid season when playoff implications are really at stake and on the line. But uh, I know we missed last week, um, and so we didn't get to do our boxing topic. So I want to give you the floor. You know me. I don't know anything about boxing or fighting or MMA. Is there anything that you would like to bring up this week on boxing that you want to uh, highlight or discuss before we do our last rapid fire, which is only two points for the day? But um, You know, uh also, uh, we'll say on the um, the Tyson Fury and uh, Wilder yes, that, that came to an end. So uh, congrats to uh, Tyson Fury. He has cemented himself as probably one of the greatest heavy fighters we've seen in a long ass time. That's a big boy. So congrats to him. The guy can the guy can fucking box. Yeah, you can't boy. doubt it anymore. We can't hate on it anymore. It's just it's not it's not something we can really deny. And you know, congratulations to him. He's he's talking about a guy who's gone. He's gone through a lot in his life to get to this point. You know, he's he's been at the lowest point, and now he's sitting at the top with some of the greatest boxers we've seen. So, congratulations to him. Also, I'll give my props to Wilder. You know, he gave us yeah. possibly the best saga in in boxing history and in fighting history. So, you know, congrats to both fighters. 
they're both going to be cemented in different ways if not just for winning but of just how to really box and how to be a professional fighter and on the mixed martial arts side i will say that um, we had a couple of uh, events there was the mma uh, hall of fame like the ufc hall oh, of fame dope. and all that sign of course it and bellator's in a couple moves it's a different um entertainment fighting ring but the one major thing we did see is john jones is going back into rehabilitation for uh, alcohol issues, and he had a domestic violence case against uh, his wife, where uh, he uh, he caught some very bad rap for uh, domestic abuse against his wife and his family. And we want to just uh, extend our best wishes to John Jones right now. He's in a very bad place. He's been barred from working out at his gyms. He's been put on a sort of isolation mode, which he I feel like he does need in order for him to come back. Because also, that's just another guy who's just going another through like another path of mental health issues right yeah. now. He's already he's been at the top of the Plymouth of the Mountain, so it's like you're all you're gonna get the shit talk from everybody in your league because you are you were the pound for pound champion at one point. You were better than everybody and anybody has never seen you. So all they're gonna do is talk down on you. Oh and yeah. Of course, you're gonna try and tune that out with different vices, and he needs to work on not using those vices anymore to tune people out and just do, do things the right way and just be responsible you know take responsibility for everything he's got going on right now so we'll just we're gonna pray for john jones and hope he comes out of recovery we want to see him come back and get those those titles back and get those wins back even though he just got into the hall of fame it's like we want to see him be great again so we'll pray for john jones and we'll hope he gets better and Pay your fucking fighters, Dana White. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to resort <laughs> Pay to your push. fighters. That should Pay be your like, no, matter, no matter our content. That should be like the hashtag for every show. Pay your fighters. Uh, no, like seriously. And, you know, I will kind of, I definitely will co-sign on, you know, the show of support to John Jones. Obviously, no one condones domestic violence. And, you know, I won't give anybody an excuse for that um, at all. I sort of feel like any repercussions and um, yeah, any kind of repercussions or consequences that come with that are uh, deserved, right? I mean, at a certain point, you know, I don't think people should continue to suffer for something that they already were reprimanded for, right? So I would never say, yeah, just keep piling it on. But in the moment, uh, definitely whatever consequences come from really committing any crime, but certainly domestic violence, child abuse stuff like that it's like you know zero tolerance um but however with that being said we're all people we are all all human we all make mistakes we all struggle and for someone you know the casual fan the, the party viewer in terms of boxing or mma so i don't really know a lot about fighters uh i do know john jones and i know of him because of his issues um with substance abuse like that is how i know him as like the casual fan um and so what i will say is definitely co-signing and show support because it's hard you know and if you are really struggling with with these things like you know it's not easy especially when you're in the public eye so you know the most important thing is is getting healthy right um through your sobriety or whatever the case may be getting healthy is uh, the utmost importance because it kind of starts from there. Then you can rehabilitate your entire life, right? Uh, be it family life or career life. So um, definitely support to John Jones for, you know, just getting healthy, you know, physically and mentally. And with that, uh, do a real quick transition. I just said, I'm actually just going to do one. I just want to get your uh, quick take on who do you think steps on the court first for the NBA this season? Will it be Kyrie Irving or will it be Ben Simmons? Which one? I'm going Ben Simmons on the one. Ben Simmons will be the first person to step on the court rather than Kyrie. Also, just because of if Kyrie does end up actually getting the shot and getting the vaccine, it takes time for you to get the vaccine. Unless the NBA has some superseding program where 
they could give one shot or they got the ultra Johnson and Johnson, some in the right. back pocket where they can just get the fucker the shot. And then they were two weeks. It's going to take time for Kyrie to integrate back in the team and to clear all the protocols that they have for the NBA. So Ben Simmons, I mean, it's, I definitely see him coming back because it's not like it may take a little time. I don't need time. It's going to take for Kyrie to come back, especially with all the shit that Kyrie's got going on right now. So, yeah. Kyrie for sure. Or, or I mean Ben Simmons, Simmons, Simmons. for sure. No, I ben would agree. Sure. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna jump on his personal decisions. Like I'm past that and the debates and all that stuff. Uh, but I would agree just because I think Ben Simmons made the first step and kind of coming out and saying, like, this is what I'm going through. So I feel like people are gonna be his organization, other teams are gonna be more willing to work with that situation. And I do not know if Kyrie's personal standpoint has changed. So as long as his mind has not changed, I think it's gonna it's gonna take a while to change his mind first. And then you get into the protocols and anything like that. With whereas with Ben Simmons never said he didn't want to play basketball or not be vaccinated. It's you know he's he's going through some stuff right now, but I think he already took that first step in getting through it. So that's kind of why I see Simmons stepping on the court. First, at any rate, we hope to see both of them because they're amazing players, superstars, um, once in a lifetime level talents. And with that, we're going to end the show. Simmons, we'll see you on the court soon. Kyrie, we hope to see you soon. Uh, this has been Love the Game, a very good, lengthy um, conversation and debate. But I mean, basketball's back, year 75, right? So, so much to cover. There will be so much to cover uh every episode pretty much from here on out because i mean nba is just getting started nfl is not even technically mid-season yet so that's gonna continue to ramp up and uh depending on if a team that we care about is in the world series or not we might have some postseason world series baseball to discuss but save all that for another week this has been love the game the love the game podcast where we talk hoops NFL or any relevant sports topics, find Love the Game wherever you get your podcasts and across social media at Love the Game Pod or Love Game Pod. I'm your host, Ash, also known as at Planet Asha, and you can find me at Planet Asha on social media. And E, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you before we sign off. The episode of Love the Game finished. We are here. Uh, you can find me on socials, Instagram, Hall of the Pharaoh, Hall of the Pharaohs, the new Instagram. I posted another, uh, I posted our first um, little clip sessions of all our previews on the show, and I put a bunch of links on there, so go peep that. Uh, Twitter, at Real Ignorant E, you know where we are. We're always live tweeting the games, we're always giving our standpoints on that. So those are the two links. Uh, follow us, Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, we're there on every network you know where to find us yeah yeah aight wake up in the morning had to make a play I had to make a play I had to make a play I'ma get money forever I'ma be hustling